Entertainment's podcast from Bottomline Technologies. After a turbulent 2020 that has transformed the way the world works and plays, 2021 is shaping up to pose its own challenges and opportunities, particularly in the financial services sector. So what exactly can we expect in 2021? Hello, I'm Rich Williams, host of the Payments Podcast, and in today's episode, I'm speaking to Ed Adshead-Grant, General Manager of Payments at Bottomline, about what key trends he thinks are set to follow over the next 12 months. Hi, Ed, and a very festive welcome back to the show. Thanks for asking me back, Rich. Always welcome, always welcome. Now, I'm sure you'll agree, uh, and one thing is absolutely for sure, 2020 will certainly be, well, perhaps not fondly remembered, but well-remembered. As a pandemic locked the world down, the way in which we paid and got paid also changed. And with industry changes continuing to come into play, and for our UK listeners, economic changes such as Brexit also came into play, the world is a very different landscape compared to the way it was at the start of the year. Given all of this, Ed, how do you think this will impact payments in 2021? Thanks, Rich. And uh, this is why we don't Uh, always make predictions because if anyone was sitting here 12 months ago predicting COVID, then they would have had a truly effective crystal ball. Um, But there are some themes that are coming through and we've learned from that we think will roll into 2021 in the payments world. Certainly, digital transformation has accelerated at a pace that will continue. And um, open banking as well has been pulled along at quite some speed, given the conditions we've been under this year that will have momentum into 21. So probably the biggest story is that cash is king. And with businesses looking to have control and visibility over their payments, we've seen a big hike in the popularity around treasury management solutions and just putting the financial decision maker in full control of where the cash is in the business. So I'd predict in 21 that the digital acceleration will continue People will start to adopt new ways of working as we stay remote or hybrid in remote and offices. And because cash is king, we'll have the treasurer wanting to use technology in the best way possible to make sure that the businesses can get their their money in and out in an effective way. What about any differences, Ed, please, between businesses and consumer payments? Will we see any different trends there? I think this has changed a little bit here. Enterprise technology typically lags behind the consumer sort of front of newspaper stories around Apple Pay and things like that. Um, I think that will become a lot closer. There'll be a much more familiar experience across consumer and business platforms. And when I look at some of the regulations and the open banking movement, that's all mobile first which again brings a consumer device into the business. So although B2B is a lot more complex, has a lot more layers of authorization and paper flow and approvals, et cetera, um, there is definitely a convergence where the technology that we experience as a consumer will be expected and start to move into business so that this complexity can be dealt with with the latest technology options. Now, Ed, the the Payments Podcast recently celebrated its uh, second birthday, which was very exciting. And since then, we've done uh, a few episodes specific to open banking. And certainly, it's a theme which has cropped up on numerous occasions, even when that hasn't been the case. So what do you see, if anything, changing in regards to open banking over the next 12 months? 
So this is definitely a big theme, and, and I may fall into the danger of predictions, um, but I do see 2021 as being the, the year of the open banking payments. So at the, at the moment, when we look at all these API calls that are building around the ecosystems as they build, only half a percent of the APIs are actually for payments, open banking payments. The huge majority, over 99%, are actually data pools. They are the uh, in the techie jargon the AISP calls so huge opportunity to expand and we're already seeing a lot of the corporates that we service at bottom line asking us about how they can make the most of the open banking so I see payments coming along at quite a pace in 2021 with open banking we have over 200 TPPs now third-party providers in the ecosystem so the industry's done a great job of bedding in the basic foundation blocks the APIs the standards and now a lot of the focus is on building the ecosystem and the functionality and the compelling journeys for customers to move across to account-to-account payments rather than traditional card networks, for example. I, th- I think the banks as well will be white-labeling a lot more to bring open banking to the market. And part of that's been accelerated by, by the pandemic and treasurers looking to control their costs and get visibility over their cash. So the conditions are right. And The regulators are helping here as well. Uh, Open banking itself is already maturing into open finance. And we have the FCA regulator calling for input from the market on open finance. The journey being open banking into open finance, into open data as uh, the open uh, paradigm moves across those themes. And then also, final thing comes to mind is the non-financial services products. And there's some call outs there from various parties for input on how we take open banking into telcos and the water industry and energy, a bit like the Australian model. So we go beyond open banking into open finance and then into the exciting open data world. So a lot going there. That's interesting. So we might have an Australian-led trade model and an Australian-led open banking model as well to look forward to. Ed, uh, another interesting industry change that we, we've spoken a lot about recently has been ISO 20022, uh, clearly very important to a lot of people, particularly those listening to, to this episode. Where do you see this heading in the next 12 months? Well, this is another uh, great theme for us to pick up on. And, and it's in that place now where it can't be stopped. There's so much momentum behind it. Uh, there's so many milestones being published by various interested parties. So 2022 is definitely in play. It's in a lot of the, for example, the the SWIFT announcements on their new strategy about transaction management platforms. It's certainly in all of our work that we're 2022 ready. And it introduces this machine-readable structured data, um, which actually kind of travels with the payment files, with the, with the XML tags. So um, it's needed. It contextualizes the payments. It standardizes standardize the payments and brings in this magic word of interoperability which uh, we're always planning into our solutions as we aggregate various different uh, choices of networks and payment flows if you can get standard data with this interoperability then literally the choices for running your operation open wide and i often talk about the payments being flavored the flavoring of payments or the contextualization of payments where the data and payment comes together 
under 20022. So things like shipping invoices, for example, they may also contain bills of lading, loading documents, and other key information that's associated with the payment. They can all be brought together for the uh, financial decision maker, or, or perhaps one closer to home in terms of convenience. You can see ourselves soon receiving a, a payslip each month, and on your bank statement, you click, um, and the actual payslip document can be associated and tagged with the payment file. So for convenience, these documents come along the journey with the payment. So, so the use cases are there. The deadlines are published for many of the big players in the payment technology arena. And I think we'll uh, continue to see uh, acceleration around that as new products get launched that start at the 2022 compliance status. I think when we, we talk about compliance, another word that's often thrown into the mix is regulation. And a lot of the innovation and change over the last few years, particularly in payments, has been driven by regulation, uh, which addresses a lot of the key pain points of not only consumers, but businesses. Uh, do you have any comments of, of how that might develop? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a big fan of the um, regulators getting involved in some of these markets. Sadly, not all markets um, work functionally well and optimized so you can have a positive intervention from from regulators um probably not not exactly a regulator but the piece of work i've been looking at recently and we've just done a trade mission with the uk government to, to saudi arabia on this is the work from the g20 which was chaired by saudi arabia this year and they've launched an initiative around the pain points on cross-border payments because cross-border payments are going across different regulators, different technology stacks, different languages, currencies. It, it's a fairly complex beast to get your head around how to make it uh, smooth, visible, quick. Now, we have correspondent banking. It's been around for a long, long time. You can actually go back to Giovanni De Bici of Medici Bank, who passed away in 1492. He set the principles back in Florence years ago on the trading routes of depositing cash in a in a foreign bank to help you settle and pay locally and those principles are still in place believe it or not on our correspondent banking network yes it's improved but there's so much more that can be done in in that space so i think to your question of regulations and oversight when you got people like the g20 being interested in improving cross-border payments and enhancing uh, the correspondent banking backbone that's been in place for centuries. And it's quite an interesting place to watch and see what else uh, is coming down the line. And certainly we spent this year uh, a lot of time unpicking this and working in particular with Visa and their Visa B2B Connect solution that has managed to create a global solution that's multilateral, that can do messaging, payment, settlement, and FX all in one. And that's, uh, that's proving to be a really interesting conversation with all the banks that want to do business payments cross-border as kind of the new way of uh, running those sort of payments. Thanks, Ed. And that, that's a really nice segue to move us from uh, 14th century Florence and into the modern day. So as the industry continues to see innovation in technology, what's next? What's the most exciting thing that you see on the, on the roadmap for technological innovation? So... So there's a lot of buzz out there on technology innovation. Um, you've got your machine learning, you've got your hyper-personalization, you've got your quantum computing, we, we were discussing uh, recently, um, and you've got your uh, central bank digital currencies with the technology and blockchain under that. Um, that's all interesting work. But the, the piece that 
I find even more interesting when we talk about innovation is actually how to do it and how to do it well. And right now, I'm seeing in the industry a, an increasing use of what I would call overlay technology. And by that, I mean we're overlaying new services and new tech on existing systems. So this is how banks can avoid the classic rip and replace approach on their complex infrastructures, their expensive investments on critical national infrastructures, where people don't often even want to touch those kind of workflows. Um, so when I look at things like um, confirmation of payee in the UK, a fraud initiative with open banking and pay.uk, that is in effect an overlaid uh, messaging system. Request to pay that's coming through 2021. Um, that's a, a secure messaging system on top of everything else. And I've mentioned already that the Visa B2B Connect, we actually take the Swift MT files in and we we ingest those and translate them and push them out to the Visa network. So we, we're not asking the customer to do any changes on existing workflows, which can be expensive or high risk. And there's a low appetite. So innovation to me, the smart innovation, even like Apple Pay, that really just rides the credit card rails and debit card rails that have been around for many years, so, so when it, so when I think back to innovations in the industry, that's where my mind's gone to. That the way it's done, the in um, obtrusive way of just overlaying on top of existing. That, that's an exciting space to watch. Uh, thank you, Ed. So as we draw this episode to a close now, uh, let's talk about something I've specifically seen highlighted this year, and that is the acceleration of digital transformation. Uh, something I struggle to say, but thankfully it's much easier to understand. Now, whilst I think it would have been on everyone's uh, prediction list of, of hot topics for this year, I don't think anyone quite conceived how important it would have become. So where do you see digital transformation heading in 2021 and beyond? I, I see it continuing, Rich. It's um, digital transformation, the big DX in capitals, is here to stay. You, a lot of the things have happened this year. You just you can't put it back in the in the genie bottle. So... I think back to Cybos, and uh, I think it was Jamie Jamie Diamond, the chief executive J.P. Morgan, talking about how for years and years everyone's using wet signatures on contracts. DocuSign couldn't possibly be used. I think was their particular package, and within weeks they were, of course, electronic signing and moving on from the old school wet signature approach. And there are all kinds of examples around about how organisations have adapted and grown. And in some ways, it's kind of a dark blessing behind COVID that. This has brought through some interesting changes and accelerated ways of working. The piece that I've observed with interest is actually the cultures in the fintech world, not just how, how bottom lines adjusted and, and done very well, but also um, others. And, and not everyone. Some have struggled, some of the small organizations with cash flow issues or, or startup status may have struggled. But where the culture is um, hardworking and focused on the really important things, there's actually been a positive change where we've moved away from old ways of working and uh, introduced the digital straight through processing, click, enjoy, move on. So I'd like to finish on the optimistic kind of viewpoint that um, there is a positive side to it. In fact, even today, um, out to, to pick up the, the kids, um, 
earlier on, I left my wallet and now I'm leaving my wallet frequently. So it, everything's on the phone and we are tap and going at £45 in the UK with contactless and Apple Pay allows you to buy other things. So first time in my life, after 25 years in payments, I find myself comfortable leaving the house without a wallet. It's all on the phone and we've gone completely digital. So let me leave it there on an upside. <laughs> yeah, a, a very important point and uh, a fascinating change of culture and habits as well uh, brought about by this increased uh, innovation. So we've seen a lot of change in 2020 and hopefully 2021 allows us to see a bit more uh, normalcy return alongside the adoption of new trends and opportunities that add advantage to consumers and businesses alike. No matter what the year ahead has in store, the financial services sector and payments in particular has clearly got a bright future if such trends continue to develop. And Ed, thank you once again for joining us for uh, this week's episode. Thanks, Rich. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. But in the meantime, as always, you can listen to more episodes on all things payments at the touch of a button using your preferred provider. Don't forget to like, subscribe and rate the show or leave a comment as you wish. And we'll see you all next time. Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.